Over the past 11 weeks, we have been sharing Gary Wilkerson's book, God's Favor. Today, the final chapter, Ultimate Favor, Knowing the Fullness of God's Awesome Favor. Moses felt God's ultimate favor as the Israelites were about to enter the Promised Land. Over their long journey, they saw God's ability to breathe life into any desert wilderness, and He's ready to do the same for you. God's Favor is written by Gary Wilkerson. Gary is the president of World Challenge and the host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast and a video devotional series called 86 Seconds. You can find both at worldchallenge.org. God's Favor is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. These podcasts are made possible only through generous donors like you. You can donate on our website, worldchallenge.org. And now, here's Chapter 11, Ultimate Favor, read by Jason Staples. We've talked about the various dimensions of God's favor throughout this book. Now it's time to conclude with one last dimension that transcends all others. As you'll discover, I've saved the best for last. I call this dimension God's ultimate favor. In an earlier chapter, I talked about the biblical concept of a promised land. It's the arrival place for anyone seeking freedom, relief from bondage, and the joy of a blessed life. The original promised land was a gift God gave to ancient Israel, a literal place called Canaan, a fertile land bursting with oversized fruit and flowing rivers. It was the stuff of dreams for the Israelites. They'd been beaten down and exiled for generations, and yet when they arrived at Canaan's border, a land of plenty in every sense, God made an unusual statement to Moses. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Exodus 33.3 What a shocker! God's message to his people here may sound harsh, but when it's put into context, we see it's anything but that. The Lord had freed Israel from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Now, on the cusp of their entry into the Promised Land, he made this surprising declaration, I will not go with you. He explains why in the next phrase, For you are a stiff-necked people. Even after all the miraculous things God did for the Israelites, they complained every time they faced a new hardship. Their experiences and the miracles he performed for them never translated into faith. Instead, the people attacked his character. They accused God of delivering them just to see them die in the desert. Every time Moses turned around, it seemed they were threatening to reject God and abandon his leading. But Moses' faith was different. He knew the goodness of God, recounting all of the Lord's supernatural works for Israel. In fact, to Moses, God's favor toward his people seemed bottomless, never-ending, unlimited. No matter what obstacle they faced or how impossible it seemed, God brought them through every time. Moses marveled at the character of a God who would mercifully perform all these things on their behalf. So now, when the Lord said he wouldn't go with them into the promised land, Moses answered, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, Lord, if you won't be there, then I'm not going. 
Moses discerned the difference between God's unlimited favor and his ultimate favor. Moses knew how important God's blessings were to Israel. His supernatural works had saved their lives. He sent manna from heaven when the people faced starvation. He brought water from a rock when their bodies were parched beyond their limits. Yet Moses recognized that even those vital blessings weren't the point of those experiences. Rather, it was to know and trust the compassionate, loving God who bestowed them. Given this, Moses' next statement comes as no surprise. Please, show me now your ways, that I may know you, in order to find favor in your sight. Moses knew that ultimately God's favor wasn't found in the blessings he provided. They were found in knowing the Lord himself. I thank God for all his earthly blessings. As a pastor, I get to see his amazing work in people's lives all the time. He restores marriages that have split apart. He provides for those who struggle financially. He brings healing to people's sick, broken bodies. As I write this, I think of a little boy named Isaiah who wasn't expected to live for 10 days after his birth. After he survived the first year, doctors said he'd never walk. Recently, his mom sent me a video of young Isaiah dancing with a little girl at a wedding. I also think of a young man named Chad who was beaten down by the people meant to nurture him. The circumstances Chad faced in life were unbelievably hard. Yet now Chad is catching on to how much God loves him and he wants to be baptized. All of these things speak of God's unlimited favor, his ability to breathe life into any desert wilderness. We all experience his favor in ways too great to measure. Our relationships, our health, our work, our studies. When we struggle in any area of life or our circumstances get too difficult, He sustains us with His soothing presence. God has done things in our lives we never could imagine happening. His unlimited favor knows no boundaries. Yet Moses knew something from the Lord that exceeded His unlimited blessings and even His supernatural works. He knew that beyond God's unlimited favor is His ultimate favor. This sort of favor isn't found in the things God does. It's found in the Lord himself. As Moses said in so many words, Lord, what good are grapes and milk and honey, all the blessings of life, if you are not present? C.S. Lewis posed a similar question. He asked, in essence, what if heaven were a place where you could have everything you wanted, where all your dreams would come true? Every aspiration and desire would be made a reality. But God wasn't there. Would you want to go? It's a legitimate question for any Christian. Do we desire God's blessings apart from knowing Him, the giver of all good things? Or like Moses, would we rather have every blessing stripped away than to lose God's presence? I don't take God's blessings lightly, and neither does His word. There's hardly a book in the Bible that doesn't mention God's concern for the poor. Poverty affects every area of the world, and we're called specifically to supply food to the hungry, hope to the downcast, and healing to the brokenhearted. But for those of us who know God's abundant blessings, Moses conveys something important. 
Even daily bread pales compared to knowing God. Moses' example causes us to experience a higher kind of favor. It's not that Christians today aren't grateful for God's blessings. Our problem is that many of us stop there. We say, Lord, your unlimited favor is enough for me. But according to this passage, it isn't enough. We can be blessed with the most vibrant marriage, the most beautiful home, the most fulfilling job, and the greatest kids. But if Jesus isn't in the midst of them, what do we have? Are we willing to declare with Moses, Lord, if you're not there, I won't go? If we are, God will answer us as he did Moses. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. The Lord wanted to enter Canaan with Israel, but he couldn't abide their idolatry. Even after the Lord blessed them powerfully, the Israelites turned to idols. While Moses was communing with God on the mountain, the people melted down their jewelry and made a golden statue of a calf. We may not be able to relate to this kind of thing today, but the upshot is this. When you pursue God's blessings without seeking God himself, you end up in idolatry because the focus of your pursuit is something earthly. As Paul says in Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Thankfully, today, most of us don't have to plead for water or bread. We can just turn on the tap or go to the grocery store. But we have golden idols of our own, things we seek apart from God. Job success, financial security, material comfort. Those aren't bad things. They're great blessings. But if we want them more than we want God, if they become the focus of our life's pursuit, we've built an idol. And God will say to us, go ahead, pursue that, enjoy it. But you won't find me present in it, and therefore your soul won't find rest. I love Moses' response. God, kill me in the desert before you lead me to some place that you aren't. I pray Moses' cry leads to a similar one from Christ's church. Lord, my life has been so blessed that I've let myself get misdirected. My eyes have been on your unlimited favor, the blessings you give. I want something different. Let my life be defined by your ultimate favor, to know you for who you are. Is God enough for you? Does knowing the Lord satisfy you? Or is there anything that keeps you from it? an idol you've put before him. His first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Knowing God was sufficient for Moses. Rather than going to the promised land, he asked, please show me your glory. I can imagine God's pleasure at hearing this. Every earthly parent knows the constant pleading of her children's voices asking for things, but nothing warms a mom's heart like hearing her child say, Mommy, I love you for who you are. God was so pleased with Moses' desire that he granted his request as far as he could allow it. He replied, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. God's unapproachable light is too fierce for humans to experience fully. His holiness is all-consuming, 
as verse 3 says, lest I consume you on the way. But he did want Moses to experience his glory in part. The Lord told him in effect, I can't show you my face, but I can show you the effects of my presence and the trail of goodness I leave behind. To protect Moses, he said, while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock until I have passed by. This verse tells us everything about God's amazing grace in the Old Testament. Even before the cross, before Christ shed his blood for our salvation, God hid Moses in his grace in the crevice of the rock. As Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 10.4, the rock was Christ. Scripture says Moses' face was transformed by God's glory. The impact was so powerful, he had to, as 2 Corinthians 3.13 says, put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome. Anyone who encounters Jesus experiences the same transformation, a change so profound the whole world sees it and is awed. Today, God has removed every limitation and barrier to reveal the fullness of his glory in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. These days, we don't have to hide in a crevice as Moses did, because God's glory has been revealed fully in Jesus. We don't have to wait for water to be poured from a rock. Instead, rivers of living water flow to us continually from His indwelling Spirit. God's ultimate favor isn't in a house or a car or job. It's in His presence, and He doesn't withhold it from us. Christ's saving sacrifice has lifted the veil completely so we can know His glory without hindrance. That is God's supreme, ultimate favor. The Israelites could have experienced God's glory just as Moses did. The Lord wanted to accompany them into the Promised Land, but their bitterness prevented it. It had happened before. When they were without water in the wilderness, they put God on trial. The original Hebrew language suggests a hammer or gavel, meaning they judged the Lord and convicted Him. What a horrible act, especially for a people so blessed by God. At a time when they could have trusted Him in faith, they complained. At least in Egypt, we had food and water. We had safety and security. We had homes to live in. Now that those things were taken away, the people were consumed with bitterness. Their idols had overcome them. The same thing can happen to us today. How often does this describe our hearts toward God in our times of struggle? We're taken aback by our trial. A subtle anger can start to boil, and a shift in our heart occurs. Without knowing it, our focus can move from the giver of blessings to the blessings that have been removed. We set our sights on getting them back, not on the one who gave them to us so graciously in the first place. And so a cycle of subtle but undeniable idolatry begins. God isn't coming through for me now. He isn't doing what he once did for me. He isn't meeting the longing in my heart. Friend, 
You don't know it, but your trial is an act of mercy by your loving God. He's using your time of struggle to show you your heart's condition. As he holds up the mirror to you, what does your heart show you? Do you see yourself pursuing comfort in him, the giver of all good things, or in the things you're missing? Has your focus shifted from the God of all comfort to a possession or a person, an ambition or a goal? What's God's response to us in these times? He always offers mercy. Here was God's mercy to the Israelites. Despite their sin of outright anger, God told Moses to strike a rock with his staff and water came flowing out. Think about the incredible symbolism of this scene. God was telling Moses, Don't strike the people. I don't want them destroyed over this. Strike the rock instead. That rock represented Jesus. It bore the brunt of God's wrath for his people's sin. And what came out of the rock when it was struck? Living water. For they drank, 1 Corinthians 10.4 says, from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Friend, the rock that is Jesus Christ is always there for you. He is your rock in the wilderness, just as he was for Israel. And just like then, he is unmovable in his ability to bear your sins. Best of all, his living water is sufficient for you in every situation. Consider all he has done. He has removed every curse and given you blessing instead. His favor follows you, while always before you is his season of increase. His continual presence with you gives you power to conquer cynicism and to take bold, courageous stands to change your family's destiny. His Spirit causes you to raise your sights to overwhelming victories because He is glad to supply you with all you need for every situation. He empowers you to proclaim and to show His favor, changing others' worlds. He shows you His special favor by empowering you to face difficulties, all meant to lead you to a higher calling. And finally, he calls you to know his awesome favor in its fullness by knowing him. I have one final question for you. What does your heart long for? Is your main dream a financial one, a material desire? Or can you say your heart's desire is the hope of God's glory, which transforms all of life? He has blessed you abundantly with the unlimited favor of his blessings. Yet there's more to know of our great God than earthly blessings. He wants you to know His glorious presence in every realm of life. Like Moses, we're able to know something of God that exceeds even His supernatural blessings. And in order to mature in faith as He desires for us, we need to make a shift in our hearts from seeking His unlimited favor to seeking His ultimate favor. If you want to make that shift, then pray with me. Lord, show me every idol that prevents me from your presence. Don't let anything, even the good things you've blessed me with, blind me to you in any way. I won't go anywhere 
or do anything if you are not there. I want to know your presence in the midst of everything. You're all I need. Today is a new season in your walk with the Lord, a season of unlimited, ultimate favor that will be marked by the power and presence of God. Your life will never be the same. You've been listening to Chapter 11 of God's Favor, read by Jason Staples. This podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. World Challenge is incredibly thankful for the support we receive from many people across the country who believe in our mission. We are able to continue creating resources like this podcast because of donations from listeners like you. You can make a donation at worldchallenge.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. All of us at World Challenge hope you're experiencing the life God wants you to have. 